the Miami real estate market crash in 2022. I'm going to analyze that today. I'm going to analyze our last real estate market crash. I'm going to compare that to today. And I'm going to show with you um, whether the bubble is going to burst. I'm going to not make it too complicated, make it pretty easy to understand. Hopefully, I don't make this video too long, but you know what? I usually do. Um, anyway, so let's get into that. I'm going to be sharing my screen a few times. I'm going to share with you some um, stats. Then I'm going to tell you a few things. And also, I did a video as well, and you're going to see that pop up um, soon to the right if you haven't seen it yet. Um, and it's going to be a video where I analyze it, the, the stock, the not the stock market. Stock market is a bit related to the real estate market, but a video I did on the real estate market um, crash um, for Miami and some reasons why, why not, or whatever. You have to see the video. If I give it away, um, then it's, it's not a benefit to you because I go into um, it pretty deeply. Anyway, so let me share my screen. Um, hopefully, um, okay, awesome, it's right there. So this is a tool called, it's called Trend Graphics. Trend Graphics um, is really, really good um, data. But with that said, with that said, I wanna share with you some of the things that are, I guess, not great about it, okay? This only includes real estate stats that are on the MLS. And our team, if you look at the sales of our team, we probably have, I don't know, maybe 25, 30% or more of our sales that are off market, they're new construction properties, and you never find them. Like if you go on Zillow and you try and find our sales, it's not going to be there. If you go in multiple other areas, they're not going to be there. Some of our highest sales and rentals are off market because they were and they're not on the internet because they were they were um, they're called pocket listings or someone had a, a property that wasn't on Zillow or these other areas or is new construction pre-construction and it wasn't there. So after saying all that, bottom line is this is a great tool. Trend Graphics is a great tool, but it's not perfect. Okay, so I I never want you to think like everything I say is like a Bible, whether it's true or not. I want you to, I want to give you enough information where you can see trends and you can get an idea and figure out on your own. Because at the end of the day, um, none of us have a crystal ball. If we did, none of these th events would have happened in the past or in the future that are going to happen. So this screen that you're seeing while I've been talking a lot is Miami-Dade County. Um, because a lot of people that don't know Miami just know Miami like Miami. But just like whatever area you live in, if it's not in Dade County, you're gonna have areas like that are hyper-local. So in Miami, it's not just Miami, you have Coconut Grove, you have Coral Gables, you have Alapata, you have Wynwood, you have Edgewater, you have Midtown, you have all these areas. And I'm gonna give you, a, I'm gonna shout out a shameless plug for some of one thing that we did create. It's if you go to Miami, neighborhoodguide.com miami neighborhoodguide.com we break down all these hyper local areas so there's probably like 35 or 40 of them 
And in each area, we break it down to make you an expert in the area. Because we know a lot of people are moving to Miami or the ones that live in South Florida may not know Miami as well as our team does. So out of these 35, 40 different areas, in each area, we break it down where you should, you know, the best places to eat, the best places to get dessert, um, what, where to shop, things to do, also things you may not know about the area, an overview of the area. And the last thing is a neighborhood video. So drone video going through the area where you see homes, you, you just get a sense of how it is to live there. And so we've been working on this for 16 months now. It's around 16 months, give or take. Um, and it's we're probably 80 to 90% done, but I didn't want to just wait till we're 100% done. I figured we have enough information to share with you guys. So again, miamineighborhoodguide.com. So this is basically our commercial within our video. So make sure to check that out, miamineighborhoodguide.com. So what you're seeing here is Miami-Dade County. This is our last um, real estate market crash. So back then, um, and this was, um, I don't know how well you guys could see how big, if you're seeing this on your phone or on a laptop or desktop or your TV screen. But anyways, this says um, 1207, so December 07. So you could see the market was starting to crash at th that time. You see the inventory, it's getting more and more and more. So this green is the units for sale. Okay, the the darker green are the units that were sold. So to give you an idea, in October, I mean, in December 2007, when we were starting to trend downwards, when we started to crash, um, there were 38,000, I guess I should put my phone on mute. Um, there were 38,000 homes for sale. And so these homes are single family homes, condos, um, townhomes, villas, villas are like single story townhomes. So basically residential real estate for sale. There were 38,415 properties for sale. This, this red line, which is sort of hard to see, shows that at that time you had 38,000 um, properties for sale. You had 764 that were, um, that were, um, pending, meaning have an offer accepted. Doesn't mean it's gonna close, but the seller accepted an offer from a buyer. And there were 700, and if I'm not mistaken, 762 properties that actually sold. So if I do the math, I'm gonna do the math. So if you, I'm gonna look down on the screen, so sorry about that. So I'm gonna do the math. If I go 762 divided by, 38,415, it was basically um, less than 2% of the inventory was selling per month, okay? And when I talk about crash, one of the reasons the market crashed back then was our inventory just kept increasing. So many banks were going out of business because they were doing these stated income loans. A stated income loan is... Basically, someone that has great credit, say they have a 750, 800 um, credit score, FICO, Beacon, whatever you want to call it. Um, so they had, say they had a 780 credit score back then in 2006, 2007. At that time, even if this person was a waiter, 
and they couldn't prove their income and nothing against waiters. They're some of the hardest people, hardest working people around. But if that waiter made, I don't know, say they made 40,000 a year and they couldn't prove their income, whatever, or maybe they could, and they made 40,000 and they wanted to buy a $800,000 home, obviously someone that's, that has a $40,000 job, 40,000 a year job is not capable of paying what a $800,000 property cost if they're financing it, meaning, you know, because of the, the interest, the principal, the taxes, the insurance, there's no way they can afford that. But back in 2006, 2007, 2004, five, six, seven, I got in the real estate business in 2004. And at that time they had stated income loans. So we had people that had great credit that didn't make that much money or couldn't prove what they were making, but they were buying a home significantly higher than what they um, qualified for because they would, it's a stated income. You would state your income. So these people, a lot of people, they made 40, 60, whatever, whatever they made per, per year, they would say they made a lot more. Their credit was good. They were able to buy an expensive property. And then they were, because our market was appreciating so quickly, they were able to sell it at a profit. But at the end of the day, what happened is there were more and more foreclosures that were starting to take place because the market started to shift a little. And what happened is people got caught, quote unquote, holding the bag, meaning they had this very expensive property. They couldn't afford to have it. And they just gave, they, they just told the bank, just take it. We don't need it anymore. We can't afford it. Plus the market was depreciating. It was, it was a lose-lose situation for everyone. So in this case, if you see, I mean, I'm looking at, there was an inventory of 42,000 properties on the market with when you're only selling um, 1187. Let me see what that works out to. I'm a math nerd. So a lot of times I, I like to just do numbers. Um, so 1187 divided by 42,031, it's like 2.8%. So even though the percent of property sold um, a little bit more in December, and keep in mind, December is Christmas time, January, you know, over that time, it's people are spending money on gifts. They're not really thinking about buying homes. Usually it's the middle of school year. I mean, there, there are a million other things, but that's, you know, that's what it was. So if you see, we had from 38,000 to 35,000 homes and um, on the market for sale with a max of 1,400 sold. Okay, so 37,000, 1,400 sold. So I'm gonna go to today. Let me go to today. And let me see. And I'm gonna pull out another time as well. Um, so if I pull out today, the market is significantly, oh, I gotta press. I want you to see this before, before I hit um, to, um, to change it. So again, 38 to 35,000 properties for sale at most 1,500, 1,490. Actually, yeah, 14, um, 1,498. So 37,000, 1,498. So I'm going to switch this now to today. Let me let's show the chart. It's pulling up. So now instead of 30 something thousand and 40 something thousand properties for sale, 
you could see our inventory is just dwindling from 13,000. We are now, we have, we now have only um, 7,000 properties for sale. So compare that to 38,000 and 40 something thousand for sale and only at most 1500 sold, we're at 7,000 for sale and we had 3,000 that sold. So if I take back then it was 2.8% was in, in the best month, 1498 sold, 37,000 on the market, only 2.8% of the, of the properties for sale sold. But if I do the math here, um, let me see, if I go 3102 divided by, I sound sort of excited and I guess I am, I love real estate. If I do that, 41.4% of the inventory sold per month. It's huge. You have 2.8% to 41.4%. So anyways, but what you do see, and I don't want to make it seem like there isn't going to be a shift in the market because there is slightly, okay? And so you see our inventory is starting to slowly increase. It was, it was up, it went down a lot. And I got to say, you know, I've been in real estate 18 years and, um, you know, today's June 9th. This is the busiest. This year has been the busiest it's ever been in real estate. Um, our team has already sold probably, I don't know, 40, 50 million already this year. And that doesn't mean we're great or anything. We're just OK. But it just shows you how busy it is. You know, it's not even half the year done and we've sold so much okay but anyways not about us back to the market sorry I, sometimes i throw that in apologize for that um but anyways you see the 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 inventory trending up and what you see if you look at it closely you see there were 6549 properties for sale and 4000 sold you see 6500 so you see an increase in the amount of properties for sale and a decrease in sale. Another increase in properties for sale, a decrease in sales. So that's, we're starting to see a shift. But uh, let me tell you this, let me analyze the market. I'm gonna turn this, you know, let me see if I can share um, a little bit before, the, before COVID started, okay? Because obviously COVID was, you know, a different time. So let me see. So COVID pretty much started and there are many different ideas, but like most people knew of COVID in March of 2020 because, um, because of um, the NCAA Final Four, they shut it down. The NBA started going in a bubble. All these sporting events changed. A lot of times people see that. So I'm going to go from, I'll go to May of 2020. I'm going to, so I'm going, this chart is going to be March of 2019 to May of 2020. So let's take a look at that in a sec. So if you see back then, 23,000 homes for sale, you know, like I said uh, in the other one, we were at 7,000, you know, and it was, so 7,000 is, you know, less than, um, you know, if you take, take 7,000 multiplied by three, it's still, less than 23,000, okay? So it was the, the inventory back then was in the 20,000 on average. And the sales were, um, 
you know, they were low at, at most. You're, you're getting close to 3,000, 2,500, 29,000, um, 2,500. So you see, if I look at those numbers, it's, let me see, I'll, I'll do the math. So I'll find the month where we sold the most, 29.38, okay? So if I look at 29.38, which was in um, May of 2019, and I divide that by 22,424, 13.1% of properties were selling at the best um, at that time of this graph of the, uh, from, from March, 2019 to May, 2020. So it's a huge difference. You see what that number was again, 13.1%. And when I did the math on the last month, when we are starting to shift, it was 40% of the inventory was selling. Such a huge difference, okay? So with that said, I'm gonna stop sharing my screen. So with that said, it tells me a few things and sorry to get into the data more than I wanted to. Um, hopefully it gave you an idea of the trends, how different it was um, back in 20, 2007, 2008, 2009, um, compared to now how the market is in, in terms of numbers of homes for sale, numbers that are selling, the pending ones, and also the percentage of properties that are on the market that are actually selling. So with that said, I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen in the future. And this happens with every market, okay? So first, do I think that the bubble is gonna burst? I think the bubble is gonna slowly um, deflate. It's not gonna burst, it's gonna slowly deflate. And this is the reason why, because a lot of people talk about bubble bursting, they talk about, is there a crash? but hardly anyone tells you what's gonna happen next. They'll just say yes, no, they'll put a title to get you to watch the video or to read the, the data. And after you read it or watch the, the video, you're gonna be like, man, I didn't learn you know, crap. I didn't learn anything. I spent like all this time, this person got a lot of views, but nothing happened. I didn't get educated. So in my best, easiest way, I'm gonna, and. I know like a lot of people that, that watch our videos are very knowledgeable and some people have no knowledge, which is okay. So hopefully this relates to everyone. So what, what, what happens like in the market? So I'm gonna share with you like back during COVID, what happened during then and what's gonna happen in the future. And just a quick overview. Okay, so back before COVID, we just had a regular real estate market as you saw with the data. 20 something thousand homes for sale, maybe three to 5,000 selling a month, whatever, normal market, nothing crazy. We had higher inventory in some areas, condos, we had a lot of condos for sale. Um, the single family home market was a little bit, a lot hotter actually, way less inventory. So then COVID happened. And then, so for the first few months, the market slowed down tremendously because you know, we were in a time where an unpredictable time where people didn't know what to do. They didn't know if they were going to keep their jobs. They didn't know um, how long COVID was going to last. They, they started, we didn't have a vaccine or anything. So we, the, the amount of debts was ridiculously high. And at that time, I remember like coming home from the supermarket 
and I'm using the Clorox on the boxes. I'm doing everything I can because we didn't know that much about COVID. And so at that time with anything in life, when there's uncertainty, there's a hold on things. You know, if you're, if you're, if you want to marry someone and they're uncertain of whether they should marry you or not, they're not going to make a decision or the decision will be no, you know? So when there's uncertainty, there's always a delay, a delay or a bad situation sometimes. Okay. So with that said, after, after a while and people were stuck in their home, they're like, screw this. I want to, I want a bigger place. If they're living in condos, they want single family homes. They just wanted more room because they were stuck in their home for so long. And so what happened is everyone and their mother and their brother and sister started looking to buy homes. So we had a ton of people looking at homes. And at that time, the inventory, a lot of people took their homes off their market because they didn't want to sell their home because they were still a bit uncertain. So what happened is this, we had the people coming into the market to purchase homes. It was like a normal market. Some people were doing FHA loans. They were putting three and a half percent down. Some people were doing conventional loans, 5% or 10% down. Some people, the military that we're so lucky to have, they, they were doing their VA, VA loans, which they deserve 0% down. And they were also competing against people that were paying cash. In Miami, typically we have 30 to 40% um, cash transactions, depending on the year, depending on the time. Sometimes it's higher, sometimes it's lower. But bottom line is we have a lot of cash transactions in our area. Sometimes it's even 50, 60, 60%, depending on that hyperlocal area in Miami. Anyways, so we had a regular market. We had all different types of buyers people with different types of down payments, some people paying cash, some people putting heavy down payments. And in the Miami market, that's what we had. So they were looking to, to buy. Everyone all of a sudden, no one wanted to buy, then everyone wanted to buy. But then what happened is these people with less down payments were competing against people with huge down payments or, or a lot of cash transactions. So what was happening is all of a sudden you had these people putting five, 10, 15 offers and not getting their offers accepted. So what happened with that is they, they got discouraged and they stopped. They still wanted to move, but they knew they couldn't buy because they put in so many offers. And at that time, because there were so many cash offers and the reason there's so many cash offers, just so you know, in case you're wondering why, we have a lot of people that are moving to South Florida, to Florida, because we don't have a state tax. So these people, a lot of these people are moving from California, the Northeast, Chicago. They're moving from areas that are, that where they make significantly more money than Miami in the past. Now it's getting closer. But so they're, they're, they have these jobs that they're getting paid a lot more. They can work remotely now, or, or even if they're not working remotely, by living in Florida each day, some of them are saving hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in taxes. So all of a sudden, we have these, this glut of people moving to Florida. If I'm not mistaken, in 2020, 
we had 300,000 people move to Florida, a huge number. So these buyers that are putting in their offers are competing against people that have, um, quote unquote, a higher quality offer, higher quality buyer to a seller, meaning they, these people are paying over asking, there's no appraisal contingency, they're waiving their inspection contingency, and they just need the property because there's such limited inventory, more and more people start, start, getting, start getting discouraged, continuously getting discouraged. They're spending hours looking for properties. Their agent, our team, we're calling the agents. A lot of times these agents, unfortunately, I'll, I'll sugarcoat it a bit, are too busy to answer our calls or return our messages or emails and, because they're, they're getting inundated with requests to show their homes. Their, their listings that they have, and people are getting discouraged. They're looking forever online. They're finally finding the right home. They're giving us a list of five properties they want to see. We're calling up agents, and maybe we can show one, and that one has 20 offers on it, and it's selling for way over asking, and there's no appraisal contingency. It's cash, or it's a, a finance deal where there's no appraisal contingency, no inspections. So people are getting discouraged. So they're pulling out of the market. So what's happening now is our market is, because interest rates are higher and, you know, basically the shift from, you know, three, 3% low, high, high twos, low threes from that to like five and a quarter percent, that's going to roughly change the buying power of many people, 20%. So give me an idea. If you were buying a $500,000 property um, back you know, in January, February, before the rates started increasing, and it was at 3%, give or take, and you can afford a $500,000 home, all of a sudden, everything's the same. Your credit's the same. Your down payment's the same. Every, the, everything else is the same. But because the rate is a couple points higher, all of a sudden, you qualify for a $400,000 home. So all these homes that you were looking for, you don't qualify for anymore. So that started to, that started to shift um, the amount of properties being sold. More properties are staying on the market. Even though our properties on average are selling for asking price, if not more. I mean, just the other day, we put a property on the market like two, three days ago, it was a condo um, in Brickell in Miami, close to downtown. And it was a single, it was a, it was a one bedroom condo, 800 and something square feet. We put it on the market for 550. We did our analysis. We thought 550, we were overpricing it, but we had to increase the price because, you know, after speaking to our seller, it, you know, the seller said, we get, we have too much activity. You know, I, I think we can sell it for more. In this market, it's hard to determine what the what the value of a property is until you put it on the market. So if you price the good thing is if you price it too low, you know quickly that you're gonna you're going to um, get more than what it's worth and you're not gonna mess up. So in this case, it was 550. We increased the price to 590, and we already have offers over asking price, you know, on the property with no contingencies. So, anyways. The, the market is shifting, it still is busy, but, but more and more people that are financing, you know, if they were looking at the high end of their budget, 
and they were at say a million and now they qualify for 800,000, there's a smaller pool of buyers. So they're gonna be, there's a smaller pool of buyers. So what that means is because there's a smaller pool, you have less people to buy the property. And because you have less people to buy the property, you're going to, um, you're gonna have more property stay on the market. You're gonna start to shift. But the thing that most people don't talk about, most agents, most things on the news, if, whether it's on social or you know, you're reading an article or whatever, people don't talk about the cycles. So what happens is it doesn't just like get higher and higher and it just it, the bubble just bursts and it stops. What happens is all a lot of those people that were discouraged in the past that couldn't buy a property that weren't at the peak of their budget. So I'm not saying the people that were looking for a $500,000 property that were doing, you know, a, a smaller down payment loan are going to come back in the market because they can't because they don't qualify for, for the same amount. But most people aren't at the limit of their budget. Most people are, are going to do like, I don't know, you know, 70%, give or take of their budget. Some people will do more, but on average, people aren't going to go to the highest number that they can afford. So these people that were, weren't at the peak of their budget, now all of a sudden they're competing with less people. There are less people that are trying to buy properties. And the other thing is they have um, more of a selection. As more homes come on the market, they may, they may have a chance to find something else that they like, you know, because there's more to select from. And they have a better chance of getting their offer accepted. We're not there yet, but that's what's going to happen. So in the beginning, what's going to happen? So going forward, we're going to start to have less cash buyers. Then after we have less cash buyers, the deals that are getting, and so give you an example. So instead of 35, 40% of the, the, all the sales being cash, maybe you have 25%, maybe you have 30%. So then people now with higher down payments that weren't getting their offer accepted, now are starting to get their offers accepted. So those, those type of buyers, those sort of transactions are getting absorbed. Then the next thing that happens, and it's, it's sort of basic, the people with slightly less down payments, they're gonna, their offers are gonna start to get accepted. And as it tr keeps trending, it, you know, all of a sudden at the end, the FHA buyers are going to get their offers accepted. We're going to be in a no, more normal market. And is there going to be a crash? No, there's not going to be a crash. There could be a crash if something happens that we don't know about yet, meaning like, you know, I, I don't want to say anything bad, but if something terrible happens, something that we don't know now, of course, I mean, that's with anything in life. But if things continue going forward the way they are, even with the ridiculously expensive gas, even with the ridiculously expensive groceries and stuff, even with that, that's where we are and hopefully it changes. But with that said, even if that continues, our market is not gonna crash. It's going to deflate the Miami market. I'm not talking about other markets, I'm talking about the Miami market. The main reason is we have a ton of people moving here from areas that are used to spending a lot more money. Also, the other offers that were worse, quote unquote, worse quality offers or buyers, and I hate to say that, but to a seller, 
their offers are going to start to get accepted. So it'll be a gradual change. Prices aren't going to go down for the most part in areas where it was like highly speculative, highly, highly, um, very, very few end users where it's just investors. Yeah, of course, those are going to probably dip a bit. But for the most part, if it's going to be, it's going to be an area where um, just a normal area, the prices are still going to increase at a slower pace, but they will increase and our, our bubble will deflate. It won't, it won't burst. So hopefully that helped you. Hopefully this, I guess, long video, I, I do my best to not make these long, but I, I, whenever I speak with you and I mentioned that in all the videos that, that Jade, I, or the team do, um, we hope it, for you to look at us, us as having a conversation. We don't want it to be, you know, some of our videos are highly edited and we do our best to make them look really great. But if I, if I, and maybe they're not really great, but we aim to do that. But when we do videos on market updates and stuff, our goal is to get the information out first and not worry about all that editing. Because at the end of the day, I would think you would rather have the information upfront than see um, the video look better. I mean, obviously, I guess some of you don't know. I have a, this is a fake background. This isn't my house. You know, um, that's the compass, one of the compass offices in New York. Um, that's where I get it. I, I Googled it, found it. I've been using this for like two years. So that's the background. But anyways, we'd rather get the information out to you first, sooner. If there are areas that you like, that you're interested in, that we don't talk about, if you want um, just, just the insight, I got a call today from someone and I, I don't even mind helping others that, that aren't doing business with us. This person wasn't doing business with us um, and it's okay. And I'm not going to overstep your agents. Um, you know, I'm not going to try and get your business if you're working with someone. But if you have a question and you want to get a different perspective from someone else, me, the team, and you want to know about the market, we'll be happy to tell you our thoughts. It doesn't mean our thoughts are better or worse than your agents. It's just another opinion. And you can decide what to do based on that. So anyways, thanks so much for watching. If you haven't subscribed to our channel, make sure you do hit that notification bell so you can get our videos as soon as they're released. This is my pitch to you. If you are looking to make a move to Miami or sell your home in Miami, our team would love to help you. You know, we work all different price ranges. Last year, we did a rental for $1,500 a month and Jade did, Jade did a rental for $120,000 a month. So all different price points. We sold properties for 150,000 and many, many millions. So we do our best to help everyone. So we're not too, your home isn't too small or too big for us. We'll do everything we can um, to help you. Go to our website. It's allinmiami.com, allinmiami.com. Thanks so much for watching. Have a great day. Love you guys. All the best.